Would you take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4? Stand firm. Stand firm sounds familiar, doesn't it? Stand firm. That's what we heard last time here in verse 1 of Philippians 4. That was a couple of weeks ago. Paul says there in in verse 1 in Philippians 4, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. I noted last time that this is verse 1 in chapter 4, but it really reaches back into chapter 2 and 3 and pulls everything forward and says, this, this is what I've been telling you. This is how you're to live. Stand firm this way. Stand firm thus in the Lord. But yet it also points forward, and we're going to get a very practical example of what it looks like to stand firm in the Lord in the text before us this morning. And if you're a follower of Jesus... Uh, You need to remember that you're commanded to stand firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. And the way that you do that is often through practice of spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines. And God gives us spiritual disciplines. We're going to see one of those this morning. With the world around us in turmoil, believers are to be models of faith. The world ought to see us and see strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They ought to see confident people, confident not in ourselves, confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has finished for us. We sang about it. We heard Debbie sing about it. What He has finished for us on the cross. That's our confidence. What's ours in Christ. And then they ought to see us as uh, being stable in our faith. Strong, stable, courageous, not worried like the world is, not afraid like the world is. They ought to see people of strong faith who are uh, courageous, confident, and stable. Not because we have confidence in ourselves. Can I remind you of that? It's, It's not about, I'm strong, I can do this. It's, I have Christ. Because I've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I have His help. I have His Word. I have His Spirit to help me through the same kinds of turmoils that the world has to face. But I get to face them in a different way, with my faith firmly fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, we know that this is difficult, isn't it? It's hard to always be confident and bold and strong and stable. It's it's challenging to stand firm. The Lord knows this. And so we get constant reminders of this and constant instruction from from God's Word on how to do this. It's one of the things we're going to see this morning, how to stand firm in a practical way to demonstrate that, that firmness in our faith in Christ. Thankfully, even if it's difficult... We do have help. We have God's Word to help us. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to help you with the Word. It's one of the reasons I constantly will challenge you and encourage you to be a reader of God's Word. You need to read the Bible for yourself because the Holy Spirit will use the Word in your life to help fix your thinking on Him to give you confidence to take steps of obedience when that's very challenging. You need the Word. You have the Spirit if you're God's child. You have God's help. You have all the resources you need. You also have the church. And we're going to see that this morning also. You have brothers and sisters in Christ to help you when you need help. And we ought to be those people who are ready to help. And we ought to be willing to receive help when we need it from God's church. And we can rejoice in that. So we have help. We have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the church. 
God's word is helpful to us. It instructs us. It guides us, corrects us, encourages our faith as we try to obediently stand, as we sometimes fail, as we sometimes find it hard and difficult and challenging, as we try to strive for Christ-likeness, to stand firm in our faith in the Lord. So we should praise God for His Spirit. You think much about the Holy Spirit? You ought to thank God for the Spirit. Thank God for His indwelling presence. Thank Him for His Word. Thank Him for your brothers and sisters in Christ. That will help you when, when we approach what we see next. In fact, today as we return to Philippians 4, we're going to go and see the spiritual discipline of well, you'll see it here. It's a very, a very, challenge, very challenging sometimes. It's a spiritual discipline of living in harmony with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You get that? Living in harmony. That's not easy, is it? And yet, it is something we need to practice and aim for and pursue. Follow along. I want you to read with me and follow along in your copy of God's Word. I'll read and you follow along in in, uh, verses 2 and 3 of Philippians 4. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version where it says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So here we are with the charge from Paul to stand firm in the Lord from verse 1. He follows with this practical instruction that would help these Philippian believers learn what it looks like to stand firm. And this is here for our instruction also. Let's not just say this was just for the Philippian believers. This is in God's Word. And this is good and necessary instruction for us today. And I want you to see here that an important part of standing firm in your faith in Jesus requires that you practice the spiritual discipline of living in harmony with your brothers and sisters in Christ, of seeking to live in harmony, of pursuing a life of harmony alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Here's a specific and practical step of obedience that you can take as believers in Jesus that is going to help you to remain faithful to the Lord, to stand firm in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, Here's number one, to prepare yourself to stand firm in your faith. Devote yourself to living in harmony with your fellow believers. Devote yourself to this. Refuse. And here's what it looks like sometimes. It's refusing to be offended. It's so easy to be offended. Ask me how I know. It's so easy to be offended, isn't it? I can be offended so easily. I'm guessing that Many of you can be also, but as believers in Jesus Christ, whose hope is in the Lord, whose word of God guides us, whose Holy Spirit helps us with the truth, whose brothers and sisters in Christ are there to help us when we need it, we ought to be serious about refusing to be offended. Thinking the best of others at all times. So to prepare yourself to stand firm in your faith, devote yourself to living in harmony with your fellow believers. 
I get that phrase, living in harmony. Maybe you have a copy of the New American Standard Bible translation in your hands. And that's actually the phrase the New American Standard Bible uses in verse 2. And I, I think it's really helpful that living in harmony is, a, is an idea that we need to claim for ourselves. This is God's word. We need to take this personally. The idea here is one of being of the same mind. That points us back to what Paul wrote earlier in Philippians 2 and verse 2, when he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That's from chapter 2, verse 2, that's living in harmony with your fellow believers. And we should devote ourselves to this if we hope to stand firm in the Lord. Now, I want you to think about something that's tempting. <clears throat> Pardon me. Getting over a cold and this uh, dry throat is really choking me up today. So, but I want you to think of something that's tempting. It's tempting for us to think, oh, this, this is where we're going today. I sure wish so-and-so was here because they need, they need this. It's kind of the temptation of the preacher, too. The, now, I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm really trying hard not to think of anybody in particular. And I'm, I'm the new guy, so I really don't know, right? I've only been here a few months. And I don't know who needs to hear this. But I do know, I'm pretty confident we all need to hear this. So let me, let me challenge you to be really careful that you don't think, well, you know, I sure wish, or, or maybe, maybe it's not somebody who comes to this church, but there's somebody you know, and you think, man, I wish they could hear a sermon like this. I'm going to give them the link to the, to, the, to the website, to the sermon after this is, right? You're here. And I can tell you, I need this. If it doesn't challenge you, it at least challenges me. I need this, and I'm pretty confident you need this too. So be really careful you're not thinking of the person beside you or, or the person who's not here or the person you know at work or, or, or another believer somewhere else you wish could hear something like this. This is God's word for us today. This is so practical. When I come to a passage like this, it's often not one that I would choose necessarily to preach on. So it's one of the things I appreciate about preaching through books of the Bible verse by verse because a lot of times I'm challenged with a topic that I might not have chosen. <laughs> and I'm so glad the way God works is, is to take me through the Scriptures and, and to help me take you through the Scriptures so you see everything that we need to see. And this is such a practical example. How serious is this that we live in harmony together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, this is extremely serious. And you're going to see that today, I think. So follow along. So that phrase, living in harmony, let's take that personally. We can see the need for this here in chapter 4, verse 2, when Paul points to a problem in the Philippian church. Imagine that. Can you imagine that? There was a problem in the Philippian church. What's the deal with that? How could that possibly be? I mean, didn't they have Paul, the Apostle Paul, to get them started? They should be perfect, right? No, there's people there. <laughs> yeah, where there's people, there's imperfection. These two women, Yodia and Syntyche, weren't getting along. And just 
let me caution you with something else here. I just said these two women. This could have just as easily been two men called out because they're not getting along. Okay, so hear this. This could be anybody getting sideways with anybody else. It happens to be two women here. And Paul calls them out. Now, that's kind of a startling, isn't it? How would you like to have your name mentioned in a letter to the church to be read out loud in the next service? Um, hey, you and you, you guys are not getting along, and I'm going to ask you, what? whoa. There was friction in the church. This is not surprising. It's not surprising. Where there's people, there's friction. Where there's unchecked friction, then what follows is a loss of peace and a loss of harmony. I just can't get over thinking about being in the service where this letter was read to the church and being called out by name. But that was necessary. Paul saw it as necessary, and the the Spirit saw it as necessary and compelled Paul to write this so that we would have it today. Apparently, this wasn't a private matter. The rest of the church must have been aware of the conflict in their midst. I mean, when there's a conflict, we ought to do all we can to deal with it as quickly as possible, one person to one person. But this, is, this had gone beyond just two people, and evidently the whole church knew about it. And there was a real potential for harm to follow spreading throughout the church. Think about two people at odds. Others often begin taking sides. And then soon thereafter, there's conflict that begins to spread from one person to the next to the next and so on. Conflict, when it spreads, it can be destructive. That's one reason we all need to devote ourselves to living in harmony with our fellow believers. We have to want to honor God in his church and protect his church and keep his church healthy and strong. Another danger of strife between believers is the damage that's caused to our testimony for Christ. Think of that. This is why this topic is such an important one. It's not only for our own joy. It's for the sake of our testimony to the watching world. It's for the sake of the testimony, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the watching world. If unbelievers see that believers themselves cannot get along, why would they want what we're offering them? Why would they want what we're saying we believe if we can't practice it? So Paul knew that harmonious relationships in the church led to joy among believers. It's really the theme of this whole book. This Philippians is about joy. He knew that living in harmony with other believers would, would lead to their joy in the Lord. He also knew that a lack of living in harmony in the church would lead to harm in in the unbelieving community as they watch the church feuding and not getting along. And so he's adamant here. You need to do something about this. You need to pay attention to this. Now, you might wonder as you read a passage like this and you see this, you think, wonder what the problem was. What was it? What was the problem that they had? Why can, can we just figure out what it was so that we don't do the same thing? I'm kind of glad it doesn't give specifics about what the problem was here. And I think that's intentional. 
Paul doesn't name the problem. The church at Philippi knew what the problem was, but we don't need to know the specific problem. What we need to know is what the Spirit wants us to know. We, we need to know what God wants us to know and follow and obey. Not knowing helps us apply what we learn here more broadly to any problem that would cause conflict in our midst. And so we can't say, well, I see their situation, but my situation is different, so I have reason to be offended or angry or divisive or divisive, whichever way you want to say it. We could divide over that. Divisive, divisive. Note also that the problem likely wasn't a doctrinal issue. I say that because if it had been a doctrinal issue, I believe Paul would have said something about the issue. I think he would have dealt with that particular issue and, and, and said, this is the correct way of thinking. This is what you need to know. So this problem could have been something, and it probably was, something of little importance in, in the end. Think about that. Those are just the kinds of things that Satan loves to divide the church over, the little things. Now, I grew up in the church, and I was blessed to have godly parents. I was also blessed to have a father who was a pastor, and I was in church every time the doors were open. And I heard a lot of preaching and good teaching, but I also saw a lot of problems, and I saw a lot of difficulties. And it it amazes me as I think back some of the silly things that could cause problems in a church that I experienced as a young person growing up. It's one of the reasons I wanted to be a police officer and not a pastor. Because <laughs> if there's troublemakers, I won't put them in jail. <laughs> that doesn't work too good when you're in a church, right? As a pastor, you see those problems and you can help people by pointing them to the scriptures. We need God's word for this. Paul knew that harmonious relationships in the church led to joy among believers and a strong powerful witness to the world. When God's people are getting along, that's out of this world. That's that's unusual. Because the world can't do that. Note also that the problem wasn't, again, doctrinal. He would have dealt with that. So this problem could have been something small, minor, insignificant, and yet it had been become big enough that Paul needed to address it in a letter to the church and to call these two women to to learn to get along and to be of one mind and of one accord, to live in harmony. And then he calls on the church to help them. Our mission as believers in Jesus and our mission as a church is to be about growing in our faith. When we lose sight of our mission, it's easy to get hung up on the, the little details that are really, in the end, insignificant. It might seem really important at the time, but in the end, they're insignificant. We need to be on mission. And our mission is growing in Christ-likeness and reaching out to the unsaved world around us with the truth of the gospel. But it's easy for us to get sidetracked and distracted by minor differences. So to stand firm in the Lord, we're going to need to devote ourselves to living in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Devote, just choose. I'm going to choose. And one of the ways I'm going to choose this is I'm going to refuse to be offended. I'm going to look for the best in others. I'm going to to assume the best intent from others if I'm 
tempted to be offended. And I'm going to go out of my way when I feel like there's a difficulty between. I'm going to go to that person and I'm going to graciously try to work through the difference before it becomes an issue for the whole church to deal with. So to stand firm in the Lord, we are going to need to devote ourselves to living in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to note, secondly, that to practice the spiritual discipline of living in harmony, we should learn to resist taking sides. That is hard, isn't it? We, sometimes we're better friends with one person than we are another, and we'll tend to get a call from that friend who's in a difficult spot, and they, they kind of want to tell us what's going on. And, and sometimes their hope is that we'll kind of choose sides with them and back them up, and yet... For there to be harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, we need to be really careful. We need to resist taking sides. We can learn here from Paul's example that when there is a disagreement, our attendant needs to go up and say, wait, I'm going to really be careful here about choosing sides. I'm always cautious about when I hear something and I think, wait, that was, that's one side. That's what one person said. We, there's all, there are always two sides to every story. So we need to be really careful. Paul says, I entreat. So he starts with the, these ladies. I entreat Yodia. I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And then he reaches beyond them. He says, I also, I ask you also help these women. Help these women. Back to that word entreat for a moment. Entreat could have been translated beg <laughs> i plead i beg you i do not let this issue destroy your harmony in the lord i beg you i entreat you paul is pleading with these ladies it's clear that he feels strongly that this situation needs to be resolved paul's concern was for the unity of the church at Philippi. His concern was for the growth of the people in that church spiritually. And his concern was for the overflow of that spiritual growth to reach out into the community of unbelievers to point them to Christ. And Paul doesn't take sides here. We, if you read this carefully, you do not see him taking sides. When God's people start picking sides in a dispute, disunity and division will often follow. What we need to recognize when there's trouble is that both sides need to do their part in pursuing peace. So Paul urges Yodia, he urges Syntyche, he pleads with each of them to agree in the Lord. They each need to do their part. This is such an important key to harmony in their relationship. It's, it's agreeing or being of the same mind in the Lord. They don't have to necessarily see everything the same way. They are different, just like everybody in this room is different. And that's by God's design. But in the Lord, they need to agree. And when there's difficulty, they need to agree that, hey, we need to fix this. And we need to find some common ground and, and stop harming our harmony and harming the harmony of the church. There's a key phrase here. It's in the Lord. You see it? In the Lord. We've seen this before. It's a good reminder. They each needed to be pursuing a right relationship with the Lord. 
in order to be at peace with one another, they need to be at peace with God. You know how you can lose fellowship and be at a lack of peace with God? It's, it's unrepentant sin. It's speech that's unbecoming of a believer. It's a thought life that's unbecoming of a follower of Christ. And we begin to lose our fellowship with God. We resist the word. We resist prayer, praying and asking for God's will to be done in our lives. We kind of want our will to be done. So we're, we're not thrilled about asking God to have his way. If we're not right with the Lord, it's very likely we're not going to be right with his people either. And that means that if you find yourself in a troubling disagreement with a brother or sister in Christ, you need to first examine yourself. I heard it said this way one time. We all, we all need to be 100% responsible for the problem. And you might say, well, no, if there's two people, it's 50% one person and 50% the other person. But, but we ought to all, all take responsibility for 100% of the problem. And I think that that's helpful thought when we think about examining ourselves. Begin with yourself. If you find in yourself a sinful attitude, if you discover when you examine your attitude that you have the wrong motivation, a sinful motivation or selfish motivation, or if you've said words that are harmful or anti-truth or you know, that oppose the truth of God's word, or if you've acted out in some way that opposes the truth of God's word, God's word or, or sins and harms your brother or sister in Christ, you need to be willing to get that right with the Lord and then to get that right with that other person. Take 100% of the responsibility upon yourself to examine yourself to do everything you can to fix the problem in a way that pleases the Lord. If you will humbly examine yourself, if you'll examine your own heart before the Lord, if you will confess any sin in attitude, in word, in action, then you're going to be ready to be a part of the solution. You're going to be ready to live in harmony with your fellow believer. And if you will both do that, Think how powerful this is. If both believers are devoted to this and and discover quickly, hey, we've got a problem, and they both are devoted to living in harmony, there will be no problem. They'll find a solution. They will get along. They will be living in harmony. They will be of one mind. And that's the miraculous nature of having a right relationship with the Lord as individuals. If you have your relationship in tune with God. I'm not suggesting that you, that you never sin, but when you do, you need to make quick, quick business of dealing with that sin. When your relationship is right with the Lord, it's far more likely that your relationship is going to be right with God's children. This is true in the home. It's true with husband and wife. It's true with your children. It's true with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Now, this doesn't mean that a relationship will always be restored. You might be thinking that. You're just like, wait, I know of situations where, where one party was trying very hard to do the right thing, and that relationship was never restored. <coughs> That's possible. You can do your part, and the other party refuses to do their part. But at least you can be right with the Lord. And I'm not talking about being proud about it either. I'm not saying, hey, I'm right with God. <laughs> Don't care what they do. You should be grieved if they're not willing to do their part. But it doesn't matter whether you do your part. You ought to do your part before the Lord 
and live at peace with God, being quick to deal with your own selfishness or selfish motives or sinful thought or sinful words or sinful actions and confessing those to God and thanking Him for His forgiveness and taking steps to set things right. Do your part. But it's possible that that relationship will not be restored. We need to be aware of that and not surprised if that happens. It's, it's why the Bible says in Romans twelve eighteen, if possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. When your relationship with the Lord isn't what it should be, then your relationship with others will also suffer the effects of that disunity with the Lord. Now the position that each of these women had in Christ as followers of Jesus was the basis for their relationship to be restored. It was the basis for their relationship to be one of harmony with one another. They had Jesus. They had the Lord Jesus Christ. They had the Holy Spirit. They had the Word being delivered to them. In fact, that's what Jesus did for us on the cross when you think of Jesus' sacrifice for sinners. When we trust in Him, we're reconciled to God. If we have Christ, we can be reconciled with our brother and sister in Christ. And yet Jesus demonstrated that first at the cross, didn't he? We're reconciled to God. We don't deserve to be reconciled to God, but we, but we are reconciled to God through Christ's finished sacrifice on the cross. That's wonderful truth. And we ought to go with that truth well-armed and well-prepared to restore broken relationships in the church, seeking to live in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ has demonstrated the impossibility of being right with God. It is possible through Christ. If you both have the common bond in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be reconciled to one another. Let's never forget that. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ that you can be reconciled to God. And I wonder this morning, if you've realized that, maybe you're hearing this and you're realizing, I don't know what it means to be reconciled to God. I don't know what it means to be right with God. Maybe you've never realized that you need to confess that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. And if you are just realizing that, I would encourage you to do that right in this moment, in the quietness of your heart. Thank God for the finished work of Christ on the cross for sinners. Accept that truth as applying to you that you need a Savior that you're a sinner in need of forgiveness and God will forgive you and cleanse you and give you his spirit and help you become a part of living in harmony with your new brothers and sisters in Christ. It's only through faith in Christ that you can be reconciled to God. And so it's only through obedience to God's word that we can be reconciled to one another. And it's only with the Lord's help that you'll be reconciled with other believers when there is friction. So we thank God for his help. We can live in confidence. We can live with strong faith, knowing that we have God's help if we're walking his way. These women were sisters in Christ who needed to be restored to each other. So Paul pleaded with each of them to agree in the Lord. And we need to learn to resist taking sides. You're going to see it here. Paul calls on the rest of the church to help, and he is not telling them to take sides. So stand firm in the Lord. 
And we're going to need to devote ourselves to living in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ to do that. And when it comes to helping people in conflict, we're also going to need to to resist taking sides, which means that a dose of humility will go a long way. Thirdly, I want you to note that if we're to stand firm in the Lord, we we may need to ask for help. We may need to ask for help when there's a difficulty. Note here the different people Paul points to, getting them involved to help these disputing ladies live in harmony in the Lord. The first two are obvious. You see the first two people mentioned in the text are Yodia and Syntyche. He says, they, and this is interesting. He says, they labored side by side with me in the gospel together. I want you to think about this. It is possible for two people to resolve their differences without the help of others. And we ought, ought to be quick when we, see our, when we see a strain in a relationship. We ought to be quick to pursue peace with that person. And it's possible for two people to get things figured out without the help of others. And I think these ladies should have been able to do this. But evidently they weren't doing it. Notice what Paul says about them. He says, they labored side by side with me in the gospel together. These ladies had not been troublemakers from the start. They had served with Paul to advance the gospel. They had been on point. They had been on mission at one point. They had been active and involved in serving the Lord. So here's a word of warning to us all. It's possible to start well and end poorly. Even faithful, godly servants at one time in their walk with Christ can fall. Can fall later. Pride and selfishness can creep into our lives if we're not careful. And we can find ourselves in conflict with other believers. So be on guard. Again, I go back to that healthy dose of humility that we all need to take. We all need to humble ourselves before the Lord. It's one of the reasons I found the the passage in the psalm that I read this morning so powerful. It reminds us that God resists people who are proud, but He is on the side of those who humble themselves before Him and His ways and His word of truth. His ways are true. He is God. We must do things His way if we want His help. So that word of warning is fitting, isn't it? We might start well. It's possible you could finish poorly. Pride and selfishness can creep into our lives if we're not careful. And we can find ourselves in conflict with other believers. So be on guard lest you think that you can never fall. Be on guard lest you think this never happened to you. Devote yourself to living in harmony in the Lord. Note also that Paul points out the the good that these women have done. He doesn't want the attitudes of other other believers to harden against them. He points to the good things that they have done. Their service to the church, their service to the Lord and for the sake of the gospel. Note that he is avoiding setting up sides for people to choose. 
He also wants these women to continue to serve the Lord. He's not done with them. Oh, that's so easy and tempting for us, isn't it? If somebody gets sideways, they're like, well, I'm done with you. Just go do your thing. We ought to be grieved if someone's not walking with the Lord. We ought to be grieved if we're, if we're not walking with the Lord and, and get our relationship with the Lord right and restored. And then we ought to long for everyone to be restored and walking with Christ. So he's avoiding setting up sides. And he wants these women to continue to serve the Lord together. And he doesn't want this rift between them to become permanent. He doesn't want it to ruin their effectiveness in serving the Lord. But sometimes people need help. Sometimes people will need help working through their differences. So note next that Paul also urges, he says, his true companion to help these women. We aren't sure who this is, but there's an individual in the church he's pointing to. It's someone Paul trusts, and he knows this person could be helpful in this situation. And then he points to Clement. He singles out Clement. Apparently, Clement was someone in the church at Philippi that Paul would be uh, knew would be another godly influence and a reliable resource to help settle the situation with these two ladies. And then Paul goes even further. You see it here? He says, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. That last phrase, whose names are in the book of life, was meant to be powerful, a powerful reminder to every believer in the church. Look, look at what you have in Christ Paul is calling to them, look at what you have in Christ. And and look around you. You are all brothers and sisters in Christ. As the church, if if your faith is in the Lord, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. So work toward living in harmony in the Lord. Paul isn't leaving anyone out. There are no excuses for anyone here in the church to look at this and say, well, you know, this excludes me. I don't have to be a part of the solution. No, this includes all of us. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if your name is written in the book of life, God calls to his children to live in harmony with one another and to be a part of the solution when that's necessary. Paul is not leaving anyone out. This should make clear to us that everyone who belongs to Christ in the church should be willing to do whatever they can specifically in this situation, help Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Practically in our situation, this ought to mean that every believer ought to be willing to do what they can to help people who are in a disarray in their relationship with one another to help bring them back into harmony by, by becoming harmonious in their relationship with the Lord and then with one another. This is really should get our attention. When you're in the middle of a conflict, will you be willing, if you're in the middle of a conflict, will you be willing to accept help? I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who say, I want help with my problem. And when you start to give them help, they don't want to take it. So there's, there's a step. You need to be willing, but you also need to be willing to keep going and take the help that God is giving you through your brothers and sisters in Christ with the word of truth. 
You need counselors in your life, and I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ who are biblically minded, who will keep taking you back to the Bible, and every time you say, yeah, but, they'll say the Bible says. This is what God's Word says. This is what we must do. Paul didn't want people choosing up sides. He didn't want people getting involved in the conflict. He wanted people helping to solve the conflict. He wanted everyone working for and praying for reconciliation and healing of the relationship between these two women before it got loose and destroyed the church. That should get our attention. When there's a conflict, will you be willing to accept help? If you're on the outside of the conflict looking in, when there's a conflict, will you be willing to be a part of the solution in helping people live in harmony with one another in the Lord? Will you be a part of the solution or will you choose up sides? If we're going to stand firm in the Lord, if we're going to be spiritually stable, then we must devote ourselves to pursuing harmony in our relationships in the church. We also need to understand that pursuing harmony with one another in the church is as much a part of our ministry to unbelievers as is sharing the gospel with them. We can't stop at just sharing the gospel. We can't think, well, if I, if I approach enough people and just share the gospel with them, that's going to be powerful in and of itself. You know what's powerful is when people see beyond what you're saying and see the way you're living and, and see it doesn't match. Or look at your church and see there's turmoil and discord and you're, you're from what church? And I don't know, I don't want that. Oh, let us not be those people. Let us share the gospel and make it plain and clear. And yet also let us focus on living in harmony with one another because this is as much of our testimony as is sharing the gospel with people. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. May there be no root of bitterness in our midst. May there be no resistance to living in obedience to God's word. May there be no resistance to living in harmony with brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's devote ourselves to living in harmony in the Lord as God's children, as God's church. And let's do this for God's glory. God deserves to be glorified and made much of by his harmonious church. Let's be those people with God's help, with his word, fully devoted to living in harmony with our brothers and sisters in Christ.